Thanks for joining us for another God-inspired message from C3 Church Monash. Connect with us online at c3monash.org.au and we hope you enjoy today's message. Let's just stay in that place right now. The God who is alive is here. Wow, I love what we were singing. You know, death thought that it had won. Death had nailed Jesus on the cross. But I love that on the third day, you know, death was defeated and Jesus Christ, He rose again and He is alive today, more powerful than He's ever been before. He's alive in the house of God right here, right now. He's come for every single one of you to set you free, to stand in that freedom, not in guilt or shame, but in righteousness and victory. Oh, the power of the blood of Jesus. Well, I can feel, just feel like God's going to do so much here tonight. I believe He's already been speaking to you. And hey, I've got a word that I'm going to preach uh, shortly here tonight. But before we do that, you can all take your seats. Um, Pastor Phil Pringle, who is just such a fantastic man of God and great leader of the C3 movement, um, he's just released a new video just with some updated vision of of what's happening in the C3 movement. And as a church, we just thought it'd be so valuable that would show the congregation because what is happening in our movement is just so exciting and alive. And so just for the next 10 minutes, we're going to watch a quick video on what's happening. And then I'm going to get back up here and preach a word. I believe that God is going to really speak powerfully to you about here tonight. Great. Let's watch that video. Today in our church services all around the world, I wanted to share with you something that I believe is very important from God to our congregations and to our churches everywhere in the world today. We are moving into a new day with new oil at a new level and with new wine. I believe that there is new things that God is bringing in upon us that will cause us to expand, become bigger people, discover greater levels of the power of God and of the blessings of heaven coming on our lives. Let me read this passage to you. Luke 5, 37. No one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the new wine will burst the wineskins, the wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. New wine must be poured into new wineskins. And no one after drinking the old wine Wants the new, for they say the old is better. This is a fascinating piece of humanity where we, we ache for the old. We get sentimental and nostalgic and we think the old was better. But God wants to create momentum in our lives, which means going from one moment where we maximize that moment, take advantage of it, make the full opportunity of a moment that God gives us. And then that will give us traction into the next moment. And life is a string of moment, moments which creates the word momentum. As we keep stepping out, we will find that the power of God is with us. Never does God do anything without actually engaging you and I in the process. So for us to go to new levels, we need to take the step of faith. Jesus didn't say to the gentleman who had been sick for 38 years. Hey, just stay there. Healing's going to come. He said, stand up, pick up your bed and walk. And as, as he did that, that thought had never entered his head before. He was thinking, I'm going to get healed by another way. But as soon as Jesus said that, he discovered new wine. He got a new structure in his thinking. I can walk. 
And when he decided to take that step of faith, he found new wine, the power of the Holy Spirit coming upon him. You don't find Jesus saying to the blind guy, just stay there, healing's going to come. He says, go wash in the pool of Siloam. To the 10 lepers, he didn't say, just hang over there, guys. Healing's coming to you if you just stay where you are. When we are stuck, we will find not a lot happens. But getting unstuck means we'll hear God, we take a step and move into our future. I believe all around C3, we are seeing changes. We are seeing momentum. We are seeing people get traction as we take steps of faith and move into a new day with new wine, new revival, and a new fresh power from heaven coming upon us. As we, as we gain momentum, one of the, the great benefits of stepping out is discovering the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, you and I in our congregations, we need to host the Holy Spirit. We need to remember that why we gather is so that we can worship. And I would like to think that every one of us are front-footed, leaning into that worship moment in our church services. I would like to believe that we would grow from our around 100 to 120,000 people in church on every Sunday mm. to there being a million worshipers in the house of God. Just as a goal for you and I as C3 congregations, that there'll come a Sunday in the future, in the not too far distant future, where there are a million worshipers in our congregations all around the world. And the reason I say worshipers is because I know that that is the environment, that is the atmosphere, that is the action of God's people that invokes the presence of God, that houses the God of heaven and earth, that hosts the Holy Spirit. Now, the Bible says, I want you to stir up the gift that is in you. Paul speaks to Timothy and he says, I'm reminding you to stir up that gift that God has put on the inside of you. And when we stir up that gift in 2 Timothy 1.6, when we stir that gift up, we will find that the Holy Spirit is that gift and it manifests in some supernatural way. I believe with all my heart that we are in an age and a time where people in the world are searching for answers that are supernatural, not just natural. And I also believe that church people are getting bored and tired with doing church the way we've always done it. There is a new fresh element that we need to be reminded to stir up the Holy Spirit. Now, when I say we need to be open to hosting the Spirit of God in our services, that means there may be a need for us to create new wineskins for new wine. In our congregation, I've told our people, we're having longer services, people, because we shorten them to try and accommodate for people's time-poor, busy lives. But I found no one really clapped when I said that. But when I told them recently... We're having longer church services, people, so that we can linger longer in the presence of God. Not so I can preach longer, but so that we can actually spend more time soaking in the presence of God, letting His Spirit 
fill our lives. Now, that doesn't mean we're just every service. We're going to go on for hours and hours or anything. It just means I wanted people to have a new wineskin thinking and actually structure ourselves with our children's ministry, with our serving people, with our volunteers, so that everybody would be on the page. Everybody was applauding, saying, yes, we're hungry for God. Mm. There is a hunger and a thirst for the Holy Spirit and for the outpouring of God's presence in every heart right around the world, especially in the church. This is a really great sign. That hunger and thirst means that God is planning on visiting us in an unprecedented way to take us all up a level, to take us into new realms. And so Paul says to Timothy, I remind you, because we forget. He said, I remind you to stir up or fan into flame, literally is what it means, the gift that is within you. Now Jude, he says, you will do this. You will stir up your faith. You'll build up your faith by praying in the Holy Spirit. And that means speaking in tongues. That means speaking in a heavenly language. Stir up that gift. And as you unlock that, you will tune your spirit to hear the voice of God. You will cause life to come into your inner man. And as you stir up a gift that you have not been using, maybe such as prophecy or helps or giving or evangelism, Every single one of us in our congregations, as we stir up the gift that God has given us, we will find that that is the most exciting and encouraging and nourishing thing we can do for our spiritual life. Jesus says, my food, my nourishment is to do the will of him who sent me. So when every one of us in our congregation say, yeah, I put my hand up to serve with my gift, with what I can do. I can greet people. I can help count things. I can, I can be a car park attendant. I can serve in any area. When we stir up that gift, we will find ourselves actually feeling revival on the inside. We'll find a fire coming in. Now, Paul says it again to Timothy. In 1 Timothy 4.14, he says, Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the eldership. So impartation comes through prophecy, through ministry, through the laying on of hands, and gifts can be imparted into people's lives. And he is saying, don't neglect that gift. Don't be looking at other people's gifts and saying, oh, I wish I could, I could do what they do. You've got a gift. Some people have the gift of cooking, hospitality, there are other people who don't. <laughs> and you, know, you don't want to be eating the food of the people who can't cook. But, but some people, they can welcome people into their homes, provide meals, help at church. Never underestimate the power of hospitality to win people into the kingdom and to establish them in the house of God. Every one of us have a gift. I'm believing that as we become worshipers who house and host the Holy Spirit, we will find that we stir up the gifts that are on the inside of every single one of us, and that by that gift, we will cause great growth, great expansion in the church, and great revival in our people. Let me pray for you as I close. Father, I pray for the great gift of the Holy Spirit to be filling every single one of our members, every single person who's in the house of God, every single attender, every guest, every worshiper, 
so that, Lord, we would experience the fullness of being God's people on planet Earth today in Jesus' name. God bless you. Look forward to talking with you again soon. Wow, isn't that incredible? Who is excited that we are part of a movement that is alive and growing and still expanding all across the world, hundreds of churches. And you know, as a church, we are constantly growing and we're alive and looking for the next best thing that God is doing. So that is fantastic. Well, hey, I want to invite you all to stand to your feet because I just want to pray into tonight because you know, I'm just feeling that God's going to stir something up. Uh, I heard that Deb stirred some things up this morning, uh, which was fantastic. But tonight I feel like God's going to minister powerfully to a lot of our hearts here tonight. But we have to get ready to receive it. And so let's just pray right now. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this exciting time to be a part of C3 Church. We thank you, God, that the best is yet ahead of us. God, I thank you that tonight, Lord, you're going to visit us individually and as a body in power. God, I thank you for this word that you've put on my heart. God, you've stirred me as you've just ministered to me. But now, God, I want to share that and impart that to those here that are hungry, God, and want to know you more and more. So, God, we give you permission to speak right now, God, into this congregation. Speak into our hearts, Lord God. God, I pray that tonight dead things are going to come to life in the name of Jesus. We believe in the power of your word. Your word says that it is alive and it is active. It's not dead. It is sharper than any double-edged sword. So God, visit us in power here tonight through your word. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Just stay standing as we read our opening scripture here tonight. Ezekiel chapter 37, verses 1 to 11. This is an awesome passage of scripture, very famous. It's about the valley of dry bones. And this is where God's going to minister to us here tonight. Ezekiel chapter 37. The hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath into you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together bone to bone. I looked and tendons and flesh appeared on them and skin covered them, but there was no breath. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath son of man and say to it this is what the sovereign lord says come breath from the four winds and breathe into these slain that they may live so i prophesied as he commanded me and breath entered them they came to life and stood up on their feet a vast army then he said to me son of man these bones are the people of israel they say our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. Hey, can we give God a clap offering for your, his word tonight? If you believe he's going to speak to you, you can all be seated in the name of Jesus. Thank you, guys. Hey, I'm sure we've all come across bones at some point in our life. Hopefully not human bones. 
That would be a little bit awkward. But as a plumber, I spend a lot of time under houses, like houses with hardly ever room in them. Um, sometimes I'm doing like the breaststroke under the house, just trying to get to the other end. And, um, you know, they're kind of tight places where no one has been for 30, 50, 70 years. And sometimes I'm, I feel something digging into my side and I think it's like a, a rock or something. And it's just like this old bone of like this rat or something that has died. So it's just not a very nice experience when I come across bones under a house. Or um, as a kid, like a young teenager, I had a motorbike and I was always riding around on my nan's farm um, just for like hours and hours until the fuel ran out. And just being on a farm, there was always just bones lying around of like sheep and cattle that my nan had, you know, had butchered and the remains were there. Um, another story about bones. Uh, on Emily and I's one-year dating anniversary, I, um, I did an amazing job throughout the day. I planned the whole thing. We went go-boating and stuff. But I had like an hour to kill. And so I took her to the dinosaur museum. Has anyone been to the dinosaur museum? And it was a bit of a joke because we always joked about it because I love dinosaurs as a kid. And um, yeah, it wasn't that good as a 28-year-old. Like, it's probably more of an eight-year-old thing. But there was just, you know, old bones everywhere and uh, kind of cool in a way. Um, but I guess for me, and I'm sure you can relate, bones represent things that are dead. Bones represent things that are long dead. And, uh, you know, it's, it's like... When you come across bones, it's not like you start performing CPR on the bones thinking they're going to come to life. You just accept that, that they're dead. And so I've got a little visual for tonight. This is obviously not a real bone. There might be real bone in it. It's like a dog treat, but you know, it's a shape of a bone. And when I look at this, if you hold another, a real bone, you can see that it's dry and it's just dead. I'm not praying for this thing to come to life anytime soon. And often in the Bible, not always, but often bones represent things that are dead. And here in this passage of scripture that we read tonight, the prophet Ezekiel has been taken into a vision from God. And he's in a valley and he's surrounded by bones. And God wants to speak to him and show him and tell him about the people of Israel. So in verse 11, I don't know if you caught it, he said, then he said to me, son of man, these bones that are just surrounding you, they are, where is it? They are the people of Israel. They say that our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. And every single one of us in this room here today, we will go through seasons in life where we can feel dry and dead in many different areas of our life. Uh, for example, we may go through times where we feel dry in our relationship with God or in our relationship with others, or maybe you might feel dry in your purpose or your direction of life. You might feel dry or dead in your marriage or, or in, in your business that you're running or a job that you, you work in. Uh, your passion for life might feel dry and dead. Even your passion for the Bible or church or worship uh, might be dead. What are you feeling dry and hopeless about in this season of life? Are you in a valley right now, surrounded by bones that just feel dry and dead? Or are there some dreams, desires, or prayers that you used to pray that have now become dead and they're dry and they're long gone? Things that used to be alive, things that you're passionate about and believe in God for, but now they're dead and dry like bones. 
Because I believe that there are some dry bones here this afternoon that God wants to breathe life and hope back into again by the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm saying there are some dead bones that are buried in the valleys of our hearts if we'll choose to go there and have a look for them. Like I'm sure if you, if you really just have a bit of a deep look on the inside of your heart about some things that have died, I'm sure the Holy Spirit might challenge you tonight saying, I want that thing to come back to life. I want you to pray into that thing again and prophesy that I'm going to bring that thing back to life. And out of this passage tonight, I felt that God wanted me to highlight and preach into three main things that I believe are key to bringing back life into dry bones. Are you ready? All right. Say this after me. Dry bones. Hear the word of the Lord. Let's go after those things that are dead that God wants to bring to life again tonight. So let's go back to Ezekiel 37 verses 1 to 3. The hand of the Lord was on me. And he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord, and he set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry, that were very dead, very dead. He asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? And he said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. My first key tonight, if you're taking notes, bringing back life into dry bones, is acknowledge God is sovereign. Acknowledge God is sovereign. Because the first thing that Ezekiel did when, when he saw all the bones that were in front of him is that he didn't speak what he saw. He didn't speak what he felt. How, how freaky and scary would that have felt being surrounded by all these skeletons? He didn't speak what was evidently around him, but he chose to speak Sovereign Lord, you alone know. So in other words, I don't know. My family doesn't know. The government doesn't know. My friends don't know. Society doesn't know. Culture doesn't know. The only one who knows, the only one who has all authority, who has all power, superiority, and the final word, God, is you. Sovereign Lord, you alone know if these bones can come to life. Not other people's opinions, not even my own faith. But God, if you say that it can, then it can. Can I remind you, and I'll remind myself right now here, that one of the most powerful revelations you can live with as a Christian is to know that God is sovereign. Colossians 1 verse 15 to 18 talks about the supremacy of the Son of God, Jesus Christ. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in Him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through Him and for Him. He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. What an incredible Jesus that we serve and believe in. And in Isaiah 55, God said this through verse 8 and 11, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, now, that's a, that's a long way. 
That's a big distance. So are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. God is in another universe above our greatest thought or idea or even faith for what can come alive. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty but it will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. So our God is the final authority. He's the first and the last, the beginning and the end. He's the Alpha, the Omega. He's A to Z. He's one to infinity. He's the hope for humanity. His word, it shatters the darkness. You know, his voice, it brings things to life. There is nothing that God cannot resurrect and bring back to life in your world. And so when I look at a dry bone, you know, I can believe that it can come back to life if I acknowledge that it is God who is sovereign. If God says that he has the power to do it, then he can do it. Because, but does this mean that, okay, I now step away from any responsibility and just let God do it? Definitely not. Because God has said that he's put his power and authority in you and me. When we were born again into the family of God, God put his power inside of us and his authority into us. Because we are sons and daughters of God. We have inherited what he has. And it's up to us to do it through his power. So what I'm trying to say is God doesn't want to do it for you, but he wants to do it through you. Ezekiel 37, let's go verse 4 to 7 now. So then he said to me, prophesy that these bones, to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. The second, second key to bringing back life into those dry bones is choose to pray. Choose to pray. So as Christians, we are responsible to pray. We need to take initiative and own this thing called prayer. Prayer is breathing to our belief. If we don't breathe, then our belief will die. Our hope will go. But for hope to be alive, we must be praying as believers. As a kid, one of my biggest fears was not being able to breathe. It was just something I was almost like paranoid about. Um, whether I was on the soccer field and I got winded and I couldn't breathe for two or three seconds, I was just so fearful of that. Um, I never let anyone bury me in sand. You know how you'd always bury your friends or your siblings in sand? I would not let them do it. I was too scared that I couldn't breathe. Or at school when, I don't know if your friends did this, but you'd tackle one person and then everyone would just jump on top of them, stacks on. I just avoided no matter how much I could have been that person crushed at the bottom of that pile because I was so scared of not being able to breathe. And I didn't jump on either because I felt so bad for the person down the bottom going blue, like not being able to breathe. And like as scary as it was me watching people not being able to breathe, it's scary when you watch Christians not breathing, when they stop praying. 
You can see that they're, they're dying and they're choking. And so it's important that we're, we're praying. We're setting the example. We're encouraging each other in prayer. It's vital as believers. We are constantly breathing life into those dead and dry bones. We need to choose to prophesy God's word and God's power into these things that need to come alive. God's breath and God's spirit is in us. So when God created Adam, you know, Adam and Eve, it says that he, he put them together from the dust of the earth. But, but Adam was, was dead. He was just lying there. He was, he was like a dry, just dead, useless bone. But then we read in Genesis 3 verse 7, Then God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And then, and then the man became a living being. And so every time that you and I breathe, we are literally breathing with the breath that God has breathed into you and I. So we have the same authority that God had when he, when he spoke into Adam and brought life into him. We can breathe into things that are dead and bring them to life if we believe it. And just another little thing I'll chuck in for free on Genesis chapter 2 about bones is that now that Adam was alive, you know, God then took a bone out of him and out of that bone, he then created a woman out of that. And so you know, out of, out of your, your bones, God can create something beautiful and beneficial for you if you'll give it to God. Amen, said the women. <laughs> but we must choose to pray. Why choose? The second point wasn't we should desire to pray, like we should, but, but we need to choose to pray because praying is more about choosing than it is about a feeling. I pray in the mornings generally in my private prayer life. And sorry if I'm not as holy as you, but I don't actually usually desire much to pray at six in the morning. But it's a choice that I make because, because, because I desire to sleep in. That's what I desire to do. But I know I need to choose to pray. And now that I'm married, I really want to sleep in. But I can't do that. I need to pray. And so even if I get into that, that room that we've, we've created, just a private room away where we can pray, you know, even if I don't feel like it, you know, God honors that. And when I just start to pray, even though I don't maybe know what to pray for or how to pray it, word comes together word for word. Sentence comes together sentence to sentence. And sound comes together sound to sound. And then praying in tongues and I'm prophesying into those things that I don't know how to pray for. Because when we pray in the Spirit, God will pray into dead bones that need to come alive. You know, and I, I felt like tonight I could use this like a microphone. That's how we need to just treat dry bones. It's just praying constantly, just the Word of God, prophesying into these dry bones till they rattle and they come alive and tendons attach to them and skin comes on them and they come alive. If things are going to come alive in your life, you have to pray and prophesy into them and then you'll start to see that thing coming to life instead of it lying there like a dead bone. Amen. Pray. God has commanded us to pray. You are responsible to pray. Point number three, key to bringing back life into dry bones. I don't like this point, to be honest, but it's true. Embrace the process. Embrace the process. So recap the first two points. First one, acknowledge God is sovereign. Point number two, choose to pray. And then point number three, Embrace the process. 
Ezekiel 37, verse 7 to 10. Can we get that up? So I prophesied as I was commanded, as I was commanded, and as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked, and tendons and flesh then appeared on them, and then skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, there's a process, prophesy to the breath, prophesy son of man and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come breath from the four winds and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me and then breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. God doesn't often revive dead dry bones instantly. As much as I want to believe that, he doesn't often fix situations and brings breakthroughs instantly. There is a process that we sometimes have to go through, a process called faith. I laugh when people say that they're going to renovate their bathroom within a week. I laugh at them. Good on you if you can. Because when you renovate a bathroom, there is a process that you don't see on the block or on Instagram before and after photos. And Emily and I are thinking of renovating our ensuite really soon. And I'm scared to start it now because I know winter's coming and I don't want to have to go to the other end of the house and back, like in the middle of winter. And so I don't know, we're going to be, it's going to be close, I reckon, if we start soon. But, but the process to doing a bathroom reno, like I'm probably going to miss some, some steps here, but you've got to disconnect everything, demo everything, move the plumbing, move the electrical, get a carpenter in. Resheet the walls, waterproof, tile, grouting, put the plumbing back in, uh, the electrical back in, painting, shower screen, get rid of all the rubbish, clean everything up, put the towel rails in. There's a process that needs to happen. But what I love about bathroom renovations is that you can see the progress. It's awesome. You, You can see when things are moving forward. But this is why prayer and prophecy takes faith. Because you often can't see the process of what you're doing. I want to speak encouragement into someone here tonight who has been believing and praying for a miracle. And you may have already shifted things bone to bone. And you might be at that next stage. It's starting to take shape behind the scenes. Skin's starting to come on. Tendons are starting to come together. God's going to breathe life into it soon. Don't give up if you feel that you're just at the stage of speaking to the dry bone. You don't know what stage it might be at. Embrace the process. Keep prophesying and believing for your family's salvation. How often do we pray for our family's salvation, but then in a month or two's time we've stopped? Because sometimes we feel like it's just got too hard. We feel like someone's, the condition of their heart's just so far away from God that it's just, it's such a dry, dead bone and it's just hopeless. Do not give up on your family's salvation. We need to be speaking to that bone, to that heart, and saying, I speak life into you. I come against those things on your heart that are keeping you disconnected from God. We need to prophesy and take ownership of it. I'm not going to let the devil keep me discouraged. I'm going to choose to believe the word of the Lord. God, you are sovereign. It is your will that they will will come to know. And so I'm going to speak that into life. And that's what I've felt even convicted on preparing this message, is that how dare I stop praying with passion for my family's salvation? Because, just because it might seem that some of their hearts might be like a dry bone, 
How dare I stop? I need to prophesy and believe that God's going to bring life into that person. What about if it's a life goal that you've given up on? Maybe you've always wanted to buy your own house, but, but it's so hard to save for a deposit, and so I'm not praying for that anymore. Awaken it again in prayer. Let's make decisions tonight that we're going after that thing that feels dead, and I'm going to speak faith into that thing and believe that God's going to help me to save for a deposit for a house. Maybe it's a partner you're believing for. Maybe you've been single for so long and it hurts to pray about it. To step into it, say, God, awaken this thing in me again. I know the plans you have for me. Maybe it's a baby you're trying for, a healing that you've been after for years and years, decades. It's time to prophesy again into those bones that are dry and dead and believe God again. Because God can come through even when it looks hopeless. Can I get the keys to jump up? I want to bring his message to a close very shortly. And I just want to pray for people here that want to make a decision like me tonight that I'm going to step into a new element of faith and prophesy to bones that are dead. This Easter Friday, we are, we're celebrating and remembering the crucifixion of Jesus. And there's no doubt in my mind that on the day Jesus was, was captured, taken away and crucified, There is no doubt in my heart that I believe the disciples' faith had left them. Their hope was gone because it wasn't meant to happen this way, they believed. And as they watched Jesus carry his own cross up on the hill called Skull Skull Hill, literally like I think from my research, there was a rock up there that was the shape of a skull. So it was called Skull Hill. It was a scary place where people were crucified. And they watched Jesus carry a cross up onto that hill. And, and when he died on the cross, when they saw this, they, they made sure, the, the soldiers made sure he was dead. They grabbed a spear, and we'll read about it right now. They wanted to make sure he was dead, so there was no hope in the people. John 19, verse 31. Because the Jewish leaders did not want the bodies left on the crosses during the Sabbath, they asked Pilate to have the legs broken of the, and the bodies taken down. The soldiers, therefore, came and broke the legs of the first man who had been crucified with Jesus, and then those of the other. But when they came to Jesus and found that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced Jesus' side with a spear, bringing a sudden flow of blood and water. The man who saw it has given testimony, and his testimony is true. He knows that he tells the truth and he testifies so that you also may believe. And I love this. These things happened so that the scripture would be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. So everyone saw that Jesus had died. All hope of him being, being God's son to them was, was gone. But as we, we will celebrate on Easter Sunday, make sure you come back for Easter Sunday. Jesus got up out of that grave, out of a place of dry, dead bones, and he was resurrected as the Son of God who's paid the penalty for your sin and my sin. Hope was restored because of what was prophesied about Jesus. There was hundreds of prophecies about Jesus that were fulfilled, him being the Son of God. And I love that even to the very finest detail, right to the end, when not even a bone was broken. The detail of the prophecies. There was no chance in it. 
It was it's 100%. He's the son of God. It was impossible for someone to fulfill these prophecies unless he was God's son. Hope was restored because of what was prophesied. What are you prophesying about that's going to come to life at the right time? I believe that it was the power of God and, and his promises and the prophecies in the word of God that rose Jesus from that place of dry bones. What do you need to awaken again in your prayer life and prophesy life into so that at the right time it will come alive again? If you feel like there is something God is placing on your heart for you to pray and prophesy into, for it to come, to come alive again today, I want you to stand to your feet right now because I want to pray with you that God's going to move powerfully through the Holy Spirit, through the power of prophecy, as we believe with faith again for those things that were alive but are now dead. So if that's you, why don't you stand to your feet right now? I want to pray for you. Maybe that's a family member's salvation. Maybe it's a dream that died. Just stand right now to your feet. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. God, bring to our minds right now those things which we've given up on, which are dead, those things that by your power you want us to prophesy into, those things you want us to claim back in the name of Jesus. I thank you, God, that as we move into this exciting season in C3 Church here at C3 Monash, I thank you for a new season of the Holy Spirit, a new season of, of prayer and the power of prophecy the power of miracles, healings, all these things, Lord. I thank you that as we choose to pray and prophesy as a church, I thank you that miracles are going to start opening up over this congregation. In Jesus' name, God, I speak faith into every single person standing here right now, God, that's making a decision. I'm going to start to believe again for this thing that was once dead. Hear the word of the Lord. We call this thing to life right now. Why don't you start praying with me right now? Let's practice right now. Let's speak these things into life. God, we speak salvation into those hearts, Lord God, of those that, that are distant. God, we speak life, God, into those businesses which are struggling. God, we speak life into those dreams and desires which feel impossible. God, right now, we're, stu we're choosing to step up in faith, in agreement, God. We believe in the power of prayer. God, awaken a hunger for prayer in us again. God, I thank you. You honor the decisions when we choose to pray, even when we don't feel like it. God, I thank you that as we pray in a heavenly language, you will prophesy into those things which are dead. In Jesus' name, God, I thank you. You are fanning those things back into flame again, Lord God. I thank you for the power of miracles that are going to break out into this church, Lord God, as a new momentum of the Holy Spirit fills our hearts. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. Amen. Hey, why your heads are still bowed and eyes closed. Maybe you feel disconnected from God. Maybe you do, do feel a bit dead and dry in your spirit. God is alive and, and he's brought you here tonight because he wants to, to speak life back into you. I want to give you a chance uh, to, to respond to tonight's message and to, to choose to follow God afresh again. Maybe it's the first time you've decided to get real with God and make a decision for Him. Maybe you want to recommit your life to God again tonight. But if that's you, I want to lead you in a prayer 
that will just connect you with God. I'm believing power is going to come into you and you're going to feel alive again in your spirit. So if that's you on the count of three, I want you just to be brave and lift your hand to God because he will see it and he'll know that, that you want to recommit your life to him. On the count of three, if that's you, please raise your hand. One, two, three. Right across this place. Thank you. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. That's three people that are responding to come alive again in Christ. Come on, who else is there? I feel there's some other people here tonight that you're feeling a bit dry, a bit disconnected. Why don't you choose tonight to join these three people and say, I'm starting afresh. Spiritually, I'm coming alive again. I'm getting on fire again for God. My past is gone. The new has come. Is there anyone else here tonight? Raise your hand. Be brave and bold. Thank you, Jesus. Hey, this is one of the most exciting things we can do in church. So I want you to put your hands together and celebrate with me as I invite these three people to come down the front. So can you come down right now? Come on, a step of faith, a step of faith. Come on, come on down. How awesome. Salvation's in the house. Hey, come together. We're doing this together. Wow, what a decision. I feel so excited for you guys. Face me. They're all scary. Wow, not really. They're lovely people. What an incredible decision that you've made in your heart to just, I'm going to come down to your level. Let's just step back. I feel too tall up there. <laughs> what an amazing decision to just recommit your life to God, whether it's your first time or, or the 50th time, whatever it is. God really honors powerful decisions like this. The Bible says, when you acknowledge me in front of others, God said, I'll acknowledge, sorry, Jesus said, I'll acknowledge you before my Father. And that's why I asked you to come down the front because it just makes that decision so powerful and real. So thank you for responding. I want to just lead you in a prayer that's going to ignite that fire again in your heart for God. So just repeat after me. This is your prayer to God. We're going to pray it with you because we're just so happy for you. Dear Heavenly Father, right here on this altar, I recommit my life to you. My past, my present, and my future. I'm committing it to you. I repent from sin. My past is gone. My new days are ahead of me. Thank you, Jesus, that you've cleansed me from sin. You've accepted me. You've made me righteous. And I'm choosing to live in that freedom. Clothe me with power. Fill my heart with passion for you. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. Let me pray for you. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for this incredible man of God. God, I thank you that you are fanning into flame a new passion for you, God, a new passion for your word, passion for prayer. Thank you, Jesus, for the plans that you have for him. God, I thank you that the best days are before him. God, I thank you that you have an amazing year ahead for this man. God, I prophesy that into his life, God. There are things that have been dead, but they're coming alive again in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, God, you are honoring this decision. He is right with you in the name of Jesus. God, I thank you for this incredible woman of God. God, we are so happy that she has 
decide to recommit her life to you. God, we celebrate with the angels of heaven. God, I thank you that you love her so much. Oh God, the amazing things that you are going to do through this woman. God, I thank you that you are going to reveal to her a a calling, a purpose that's going to reignite in her heart, God, in this next season. I believe that there's going to be a certain area of service that's going to come alive to you and it's going to be clear and it's going to take courage for you to to find someone to ask, how can I get involved in, in this? But God is going to just work so powerfully through you when you take that step of faith and serve in that area that you're passionate about. Thank you, Lord. God, I thank you for this incredible woman. Oh, Lord. God, amazing. What an amazing plan you have for her. God, I just feel that this is just such a powerful moment in her life. Oh, God, I just feel like this is a moment that's going to last a lifetime. God, this is a moment where she's, that flame's burning brighter. It was already burning, but it's just, it's stepping up again. God, I thank you, God, that this this fire that's on the inside of her is just going to just bring a new sense of power to her prayer life. The Word of God's going to come alive in a new way. God, in her conversations, in evangelism with her friends, God, just sentence is going to come together and word for word, and you're just going to speak into the life of her family and friends. God, I thank you. You're going to use her in a powerful way. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's message. If you have any prayer needs, email prayer at c3monash.org.au or connect with us online.